This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Good evening, Mr. Jason Glick. Hey, hey, John. It's like, how you doing? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, so some some people you people out here are probably wondering, like, well, why are we getting another um, podcast this week? Well, basically, I'm calling, as you probably saw from the title, this is episode 65 and a half, or whatever <laughs> the last one was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but this is because um, when I did my... Uh, my original podcast on global manga. Um, well, since that time, they like three of the series I've talked about have had new new entries. That have had new entries released over here. Now, now it's like originally I was supposed to, I wanted to write up write write them all up individually, but I just kept you know putting it off and just writing up other stuff. And then when they got to the point that I had all three of them released, I figured, hey, you know, I'll just like toss this one off real quick since it's too soon to do like a proper follow up. Okay. Yeah, so that being said, we are going to work from the bottom up here. Now, now first off is um is volume two of Peepo Chu by Felipe Smith. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said, now, now for those now in case you're in case you're new to this new to this podcast, um, let me just say that um um Felipe's effort is like is remarkable in the fact that it's probably the this is actually um this is actual manga. He this is actually published in Japan. And it's being translated over. It's localized here, um, through, and published by Vertical. Hmm. Now, I now I I thought the uh, first first volume had some interesting interesting ideas, but it was just. But he just the energy level was just way too over the top. The characters were generally very unlikable, and um, I was and I I can't say that like this was the um, most entertaining thing I've read, but it it had promise, and I wanted to see where it goes. Now. With volume two, it's a step in the right direction. Because now that we've got um, now we've got Milton, the um, the hapless hapless otaku who is come to, who is in Japan courtesy of of Mr. Fate, the um, the uh, owner of the owner of his comic shop, who is also a um, deranged serial killer, and has been brought over here to Japan for re- by by the United States military to kill some some Japanese yakuza and and whatnot, and then uh, also he's. And, but he, but Milton was brought over here because this is the comic shop second in command, Jody, this um, really anno- really annoying older kid who's just like trying to lose his virginity at whatever whatever cost possible. Well, Jody thinks that um, that Milton actually knows um, Japanese because he's been studying the um, the Peepo Chu videos that they show at the comic shop. Well, oh. unfortunately, well, like I said, it's the best parts about this this volume that it show that shows that. Felipe has got some good, keen insights into the uh, nature of the industry and, fan, and fandom, and also it got some nice culture clash moments. For instance, we get there's a nice, nice bit where um, Jody and Milton um, like um, wake up one morning in their in their apartment in their um, in their hotel room and like get their experience with the Japanese TV, and it's like they're just like, what the hell is this shit? And then like it's like there's this old guy going around giving people giving people the concho, like the uh, like poking fingers up their butts, and it's like. It's, just like really ridiculous stuff like that, and then they um there's another scene where they go into the bathroom and they see the toilet, and it's like this ridiculous two page spread where you got this like gigantic tricked out um like like 21st century toilet here complete with um flight sticks and all I mean it's it, it's insane and it's also funny to see um like Jody um who's just like this really bad really unlikable guy like I just can't, can't really stand him as, Stand him that much at all. He has a Mr. Sparkle moment. 
Okay, now real quick, if you've never, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer um, sees his sees his face on a on a Japanese um, on a Japanese box, and he's trying to figure out just why, um, like why he's on there. It turns out mm-hmm. he, the, Mr. Sparkle is a logo for this um, for this it's Japanese company. Dish, I think it's dish soap, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking something like that. And apparently, like at one point, Jody's like getting stopped on the street. I'm wondering like why all these people are why are all these people taking pictures of me. Turns out he um he's a dead his look is a dead ringer for this um for this comedian called Beauty Judy who's got a CD out called Gay is Okay. Essentially, essentially she's she's kind of like she's kind of like hard gay in a kimono. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and yeah, but like, aside from those those bits, there are also some like nice nice bits about the industry. It's like we find out that um. The secret origin of of, of the people of people chew as a manga as a, and as an anime, we get the we see people like people choose creator trying to sell his editor on how it's going to be like a revolutionary like incredible mainstream success that's going to redefine manga, and then we find out that oh wow not only did it not do that it also um, ruined sales for the for the anthology was published in and got, and got its editor demoted down to um, janitor. But um, turns out that some guy decided to um, get, make it into an anime anyway, just because they figured, hey, you know what? We can just see. Maybe we can just like something this bizarre will find make achieve some sort of kind of cult success, you know. And then at this point, um, this company called Japatastic um, picks it up and publishes it in the, in the U.S. Like talking talking about how it's the latest it's the latest craze. Everyone's living the people chew lifestyle. It's like they're doing every. It's like people do the people chew dance. They live this any, anyway. And the um the, the promoter for this for this company is just like going all all out full full out um revival revival show type type shenanigans here. And he's talking about oh this is such a great thing for Japan. Like and he's talking about how Japan is like the um like holy society holy holy land for all all misunderstood geeks because like yeah it's like you'll. Under, like like everything is better in Japan. Like everyone, all all everyone in Japan like knows all your stuff and will act just like you. Hmm. And then um, after he's done all this, he goes backstage, starts smoking up on um, one of the uh, uh, lights up a cigar with one of the, with a burning copy of one of the DVDs, saying, "This is great because this is what cause, like this series we make millions off this because this series is a failure in Japan anyway." So so that's that's kind of funny, and it's also it's also worth noting that um, Japatastic's booth. There's a very strong resemblance to um, Tokyo Pops, who uh, huh. published um, Felipe's um, previous series MBQ, and apparently screwed over a lot of um, gl- like global manga um, pioneers and or not pioneers, um, um, authors in the, like in their early, early days, thanks to some th- thanks to some sketchy contracts. Oh. Yeah. That being said, the series is still way too over the top for its own good in terms of in terms of its energy and presentation. And majority of its cast is still very unlikable. It's like I can't can't say I really cared for the um, the gangster Morimoto, who's who just does not know the boundaries of good boundaries of of respect or it's like or common sense. Like I just I'm looking forward to seeing him. Hopefully get his comeuppance in Volume Three. And I've talked about how I don't like Jody. It's like I oh man. Then there's Milton, who even though he gets. He 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 finally understands like that Japan is not everything it's that's made out to be. I still can't like take him seriously as a character because like some I can't believe that someone someone be stupid enough to 
to um, not realize that people speak is not the same as Japanese. I mean, it's it's it just it's just it's just beggar's belief, and it just like it's like it's like kind of kneecaps his character right there. I do like um Reiko, the um big the big bosomed um English language speaker, who um who is like very very angry at all all American men mainly because. Well, she she loves she loves trying to speak and learn English. She also um, every time she she tries to do that in Japan, she uh, winds up getting propositioned by the uh, by the American speaker because well she she got them big old titties. So so yeah. So you've got so but the thing is like if it, now the series was about her, I I like I'd enjoy it more mainly because like he actually because because um, Felipe does do a good job of humanizing her, like, beyond her, um, beyond her, um, ang- angry bitch, um, like, out, outside. But still, it's like, like I said, it's got problems, it's got potential, I'm look, and I still think it was a good idea that whoever, um, like, cut the series down from five on, froze five, five volumes to three, um, was, was very smart about it, because I don't think I could have taken five volumes of this. <laughs> three, um, well, see, I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up later this month. Yeah, not for everyone, but it's not without its not not without its its perks. Oh. All right, next up is another series that actually did wrap up. And that's um, that's Night School by Svetlana Chmakova. Now, this is this is the story of of Alex, a uh, it's like a young young witcher, Weirn, as the as the books call, as the series calls it. She like her like her sister. Let's see, her sister has has been has disappeared, and no one. And she's done so in a way that no one remembers that she was ever alive in the first place. Now, volume now volume four. Now, let me say my previous complaints about the series is that well, it's it's very entertaining. It's got it's got some fun fun funny bits, and I really like the um, energy and humor in her art. Um, I, it still didn't feel like a cohesive world to me because like there's still uh, like some, some key details missing here. Cause, like I, cause, like you've got the uh, kids got the night school. You got the uh, the hunters who apparently at odds with the uh, with the nightkin here, and it implies like a like a bigger hierarchy here. Like you're wondering why is it's like why are they at, why are they at why, why are they at odds? What is this tree that they talk about? What does it represent? Um, why is there why is there a need for these for these things to go these nightkin to go to school? Why are the hunters just you know constantly like like living like living in like the uh, in like the in rundown parts of town, it's lots of um big unanswered questions about the world. But here, this final volume, um, I went and reread the entire series, like the previous three volumes before re- reading this one, and overall, it hangs together much better. Um, like when you read them all in sequence, there's some stu- there's some foreshadowing in the early volumes that pays off here, such as when you find out the true nature about Alex's curse and why she can't get get close to anyone. And um, and there are also it's like and then the uh, and also like the uh, the whole it's like and also some of the some of the characters who um it's like who make make their mark in this last, last song as well like I I also well, I like well the cast is very is overall pretty strong I really like the adult characters um Mr Roy, Mr Roy the uh, it's like the arrogant spellcaster who's who also works as a teacher at the night school Damon the lead the um, enigmatic leader of the hunters and Miss Chen the Principal of the night school, they're all a lot of fun to read about here, just because like they're absolutely they're confident, they're absolutely confident in their actions, and like they they got they got a plan and they're and they know how to have fun while doing it. 
I love love reading about then. And um, even though the um, the the whole main problem here was overcome by just you know whacking the reset button in a way, that's yeah. Like, I always have issues with that kind of thing because it's just like a real easy way out. But here it's like. It's like I hope that um, by doing it now, it'll prevent, it'll make um, Svetlana think twice about doing it again. Because this is, because I mean, like, yeah, she sets up the rules for, for why this is necessary, but but it's also kind of a, uh, it's, it still feels kind of like a cheat because the main main threat isn't really dealt with; it's just put on hold to be dealt with at a later time. Yeah, yeah. Still, um, I like still like I am looking. I'm. Definitely looking forward to see um, more of this series. And while she she acknowledges that there is going to be more, she has a um, there's another project she has to get done before that happens. So I can only so I can only hope that this next project she's working on is going to be worthwhile. Because I because if it's not, I'm just going to look at it and say, dude, like why are we getting this when we could have just gotten more night school? Because it's it's a lot of fun. It's not the most original thing in the world, but it's it's good all ages fun. And I'd rec- recommend it to just like. Like anyone who's looking for some good, good family friend, family friendly magic oriented fun. Like you know Harry, it's like yeah, it's like I want to avoid any Harry Potter consequence. Um, com- ah, let's see comparisons, but but it's but I think I but I still think compares kind of favorably. It's like it's like I said it's recommended. Yeah. Then last we got um um let's see volume six of Empowered Adam Warren's um superhero satire. Now, thing thing with Empowered is that the uh, um, Warren really knows how to begin a begin a volume, and he knows how to end a volume. All the problem with any vo- any volume of Empowered is that is whether or not the middle is any good. Hmm. Now, vo- the middle part for Volume Six is better than most. In fact, like this this volume is kind of like I know I talked about um. DC's on um, Black Knight crossover in a previous podcast. This series kind of is like that in the sense that it deals with su- superhero death in in Warren's superhero universe. But this is a lot lot more fun, a lot more entertaining, and it's like it's like than, than DC's efforts. Sad to say. Now this does seri- this volume picks up right after um, supervillain Willie Peets. He's like a giant fire like fire element element who likes to um who likes to um skull fuck people. Um, he after he, he massacred like eight members of the joint super homies um task force, and uh, now and then um picks up with and then M- empowered is in the hospital like de- trying to um deal with the char- characters who survived, and it turns out that one of them a giant spear wielding spear wielding guy named Phallic, um like suddenly springs back up to life, um like charred charred corpse and all, and before he can be properly dealt with, um he's um picked up by a j- even bigger guy, um. Um, a main deathmonger, who I'm um, taking deathmonger, <laughs> yeah, and he spirited off to parts unknown. Now, from there we learn about we get some more um interesting bits, we get some more interesting bits about the um about, about Warren's superhero universe. This is like the this is a, there are fantasy superhero fantasy leagues, kind of like kind of like football fantasy leagues, only in the sense that you're picking on superheroes and villains who can kick each other's ass. <laughs> now, then. It's like, and then, then you also learn about um, the super undead, super, the s- superhero's dark, dirty secret. Because it turns out that um, that for some, a lot of these, that, that a lot of these characters are that for some there's certain class of superheroes who are known as bargainers. 
bargainers are characters who um, apparently made some kind of deal with a supernatural entity um, in order to uh, get their get their powers. Like like oh. one guy um, got his powers by making a deal with like some by some tatted out indie chick version of the goddess Athena. Another one had got her powers out of a uh, let's see a plasma genie a pop, plasma genie popping out of a magnetic bottle where she was a nuclear engineering undergrad. Huh. Like ridiculous stuff like that, and it turns out that while while their bodies may be mortal, their powers are not. So, so while so even though so while they while they while they will die, the powers allow them to come back as like a facsimile as a shadow of their former selves. So, and the problem is that um, Deathmonger he he this is how this is how his things work. So apparently, he's got the power to control the un, the undead through through nanotechnology. And and now that they've and and since um Falik had the information about um where their hideouts were, like he's got the uh, he, he's got the way to find them, or find out where they are and enslave the rest of the super undead. So naturally, this does happen, and it's down to um, down to um, down to empowered, um her buddy her buddy Ninjet, um sister Spooky, and um the always and the always awesome the goddamn maid man. Um, out to um, out to save them all. Hmm. Now, there's a and there's also a lot of good character moments sprinkled throughout the course of the series. Like, um, empowered and, and her boyfriend Thug Boy had this knockdown dragout fight after um, it's like after they realize that after they come back, after the events of the last volume and it's and and while it's neither of them is necessarily wrong for what they did. Like he's you can tell that he's not really angry at her because. Because of because what because what she did was how she went off to go and face Willie Pete, um, it's like the, they're like he's just concerned about the fact that he almost lost her right there. But then they get so violent to the point where they she has to avoid the uh, the clingy monkey claws, where they have to um just like stop for a moment and then just hug. So oh. it feels it's a nice um a nice believable couples moment they have right there. Then you get um like Sister Spooky who's who's completely um. Wiped out by the death of her, um, her pseudo girlfriend Mindfuck in the last volume, and um, she and she's just like very um, spaced out, and I very spaced out and just like um, out of and in like some sort of some sort of trauma from this from the events. But then she finds out that things are possibly even much worse than that once the uh, super once the uh, demon who uh, gave her her powers finds a way to um, start finds a way to communicate with her through the super undead. Then they also get like other bits, like Thug Boy's brush with his kid killing past at a at a super, super at the funeral for the deceased super homies. Getting Jets um, realization that the her that the um, Ninja Clan who almost kicked her ass at the end of Volume Three is coming back for vengeance. And also we find out more about the goddamn Maid Man, who turns out that while he while he may be Batman in a maid outfit, he's mm-hmm. he actually functions more like Moon Knight in the sense that he's actually. That he's actually got a, he's a, he actually has a set of split personalities as well. What and the other personality is apparently terrified of the fact that he he goes out at night to um to fight fight crime dressed as a maid. Hmm. Now, as much as I liked all this, and it's um it still suffers from some of the common common problems of this of of the pre- previous volumes, such as the fact that um I oh Warren does write generally um entertaining dialogue. He often writes too much of it, like he'll just, like just generally really overwritten, very over the top, and it's just like you kind of wish like it, he, if just cut things out by not not a half, maybe like a third less words, 
um, just and just made try to make more make like just kind of convey more information in less in less space. It'd be a, it'd be much it'd be a much tighter product as well. But he also manages to um, he also manages the rare feat of making profanity seem boring. Now, it's like huh. God, God knows I have no fucking problem at all with, with any kind of fucking profanity here, but. <laughs> Um, Warren always blacks out all like all of the really bad um, epithets um, in the book, and I don't know if that's caused him to think that like, you know I'm, that I'm not that he's not really swearing at all. But really, it's like you look at this and it just it's a distracting visual thing. Like I, I was like Adam, if you're listening to this, I I love your stuff, but next time you start writing this stuff, try saying um saying all this stuff out. Out loud and just see how it's see how it sounds because it just gets to the point where it's like I really if these people if he decides to like make have no swearing at all in the next next couple of volumes I would not complain because it's just um because it just yeah it's like it just just wears on you after after a while so oh yeah and there's also like um, a bit a bit where I'm um, empowered um talks does her um bit where she shills for him. Um, Fellow um, fellow superhero heroine also Latina's um, set of anti bondage videos, and we get some some bits where um, that just qualifies too much information. Where Empower talks about the first time she was tied up and thrown in the in the back of a car. Like I could have gone the rest rest of my life without reading about that, but oh well, it's done. Hmm. Still, things what things um wind up things um, pick, um finish off spectacularly in the last in the last. Act where um where they go to go to um, go to um Deathmonger's lair and throw and have their final throwdown with him. We also get and and Power also gets a genuinely her, um superheroic moment as she it's like well as, well she saves the day but even, even though she she manages to pull this off there's like I get the feeling that um we're kind of closing in on the end here because like a lot of the, the the plot threads such as um such as um Thug Boys um Cape Killing Pass catching up to him um. The um, Ninjets clan, um, rival clan coming back to kill her. Sister Spooky's um, concern over what happened to um, Mindfuck in the afterlife. Like, a lot of this stuff is reaching to a head, and I wouldn't be surprised if this uh, series decides to wrap up the next two volumes. Because like, I can see Volume Seven just being the Nadir, like the lowest point for all those involved. Before we get get to a triumphant, um, triumphant climax in Volume Volume Eight, where it's like we get the big mega happy ending that that everyone in the series deserves. But well, we'll see how that goes. Because like I, as much as I lo- like this, I still, I, I still also wish that we get back to getting a volume every six months, like we did, like we did for the first four volumes. Um, that that said, like we might not even get at the rate um Adams um been cranking him out. Um, we might not, we might not get a, vo- a volume next year, and you know that just breaks my heart. So mm. yeah, so it's so on one hand, like yeah, I'm lo- really looking forward to to the end. To the next, to the next volume, whenever it ships. So, so Adam and, and everyone else, uh, at Felipe Savalana, keep up the good work. You're doing, like you're doing your genre proud. Okay, yeah, and that's all I, also all I say for this week. We're back with a proper podcast next week, and um, and also probably um write up, do my best to write up the uh, conclusion for um for people chew when it's when it ships later this month. Again, okay, that note, I'm gonna go back and play some more Fallout. All All right. right. Yeah, night, everyone. All right, see you next time. Wait. Stop.